Welcome back to 1010's Podcast. My name is, of course, Michael Beck, and we have the whole team here this week. Yay! No guests. The tripod is, is Adam standing and Robbie. strong. So exciting. It is exciting. Thanks for joining us again this week. What do we got going on? Where do we want to start? We got uh, all sorts of things we want to talk about this week. Should yeah. we? Should we? Uh, let's do our social media. Let's stuff do the first. boring stuff first. Find us on Facebook at Ten Tense Podcast. Um, on Twitter at at the number Ten Tense Podcast. Uh, find us on Instagram Ten Tense Podcast. Car Throttle. I'm always missing something. What am I missing? Uh, We've got we, our website. Do we care about the website? Not really. Has anybody been to the website in the last month? Nobody probably goes to the website anymore, but it is 10tentspodcast.com, and it is on all of our stickers, our cards, uh, our shirts, shirts uh, our website, or on our uh, Facebook page. Um, but, on uh, both of my vehicles. It's whatever. It is what it is. Um, oh, the thing I did want to remember this week, um, thank you to everybody that has rated us. And has written a review on iTunes. Um, that's hugely important for us. Obviously, um, we've we've done actually pretty well in the rankings. Yeah, we've got quite a few now recently. Um, Thank you all. Of yeah, you. and people have been awesome about giving us good reviews, and we appreciate that. And uh, anybody that does it, we're hugely appreciative appreciative of it. So, uh, iTunes, if you're listening to this, step up your game, make it so that people can do that on their phone. Because you can't I've, give a you can't leave a really? can't, can't leave a review or anything. At least I haven't figured out a way to do it. And I've had a couple people that have asked me like, "Hey, can I do it on my phone?" I'm like, eh, "I don't know how." And they're like, "Well, I'm not going to do it on a computer." So can you? Leave I guess a, you're just not going to get one. Can you leave a star rating? I don't think so. So you got nothing. Nah. Thanks a lot, iTunes. Yeah. yeah. So iTunes, Apple. step up your game. Can you? Can do you have any idea if you can leave ratings and reviews and stuff like that on Google Play? Let's assume yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you're, you're an Android expert, Robbie. I'm really not. Technology. You're the only one who has an Android in here. You're that the only one that can expert. know these I don't, I've never rated anything on it. I just listen to our stuff and then a few other things. Do you actually use Google Play, though, now? That, or are you still listening to it at work? I download it from that and then listen to it. Oh, so you, you do use Google Play instead of Shout Engine now? Yes. Can you rate on Shout Engine? Yes. Is that a thing? So you can, but I don't think we've ever gotten or, any ratings on Shout Engine. I think you can leave comments. I don't know if you can leave ratings. Okay. You can comment on shows on Shout Engine. And if someone does that, we'll probably never notice it. Yeah. Sorry. We don't use Shout Engine that it, much. It's just a it's just a place to get our the stuff podcast elsewhere. Online. So if you have an Apple device or a computer, please rate us on iTunes or Google Play Music if that's a thing, because we don't know. Tell us if it is a thing. Yeah, let's, let's find out. Let us know. Um, I think that's it. You had something. Yeah, from I had a last couple of things week, I wanted right, to talk. Adam? So, okay. so last week we were talking about the Viper. Yes. And its ridiculous arrow package, right? So Ralph, I believe Giles, Giles, one of the two. We'll he's never get the last head, names, right? head developer or something like that for SRT. Real, real high up in the SRT food chain. So that's probably his baby. That's his yeah, uh, it is. Halo car. So. Uh, I, I read on, I believe, Road and Track, he was quoted as saying that from, uh, so he, he had a GTS when that was all you could get, when they hadn't had, when the ACR wasn't a production-ready vehicle yet. Yeah. He had a GTS, and he towed it to racetracks with his Jeep Grand Cherokee, and when the ACR came out, he got one of those instead, averages two to three miles per gallon less on an open trailer with the with the ACR because of the downforce package. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's 60 miles and at 70 miles an hour constantly yeah, for a couple so, of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, but on, on a trailer, on an open trailer, he gets worse gas mileage because of the giant rear wing on the back of the ACR. Wow. He's going to have to get himself an enclosed trailer. He was talking, well, no, what, what he was talking about was building a, 
something that he can put over the the wing that will stall out the air and, and make it non-functional. Don't guys sometimes on those open trailers they'll put like um, some sort of air dam on the front and they'll store tires that was, in it. I think sometimes. the other thing he was talking about doing because obviously in an open trailer and especially with a car that's like 130 grand, you don't want rocks and shit coming off that your rear tires and hitting the front of the car. Yeah. Um, so my dad's enclosed trailer has the slanted front end on it. Yeah. It, it goes, it slants about to the halfway point and then drops straight down uh, height-wise. Yep. And that makes a significant difference in the way that trailer pulls. Oh, I bet. Huge difference. I bet. Because you get a weird, you get a weird pressure area behind the cab because... Yeah, between the truck and the trailer. Yeah, a weird thing happens. Like, if you've been, have you ever passed a semi while you're pulling a truck in a trailer? Strange thing. Pulling a trailer with a truck. Uh, Yeah, it it wants to to wiggle and wobble. There's a weird low pressure zone between the tractor, meaning the semi, and the trailer that they're pulling. And all of a sudden, it'll like drag the truck and the trailer over towards each other. It's freaky if you've never driven by a semi before. Yeah, it's a bad deal. Because it's not fun. The first time you're driving a truck in a trailer and you're going by a semi, it's sketchy anyway because you're like, oh shit, two wide, you know, two wide vehicles Uh, passing each other. Will these even fit? Then all of a sudden, you hit a low pressure zone and it pulls the truck over and you're like, shit. We're all gonna die. Yep. Then you yep. overcorrect into the ditch, or you, let's hope you don't. Well, yeah, that's that's the goal. <laughs> Didn't you so. have something else? Something yeah, else? I had one other thing. So uh, this is really old news. So that's why we're not putting it in the news section. But I was watching uh, one of the Continental Tire Series races on my DVR. At, it was the race at Barber Motorsports Park. Okay, and you know. In, I believe, their GTS class, they opened up the rules so that GT4 class cars would fit in there so that cars that were built for GT4 racing in, like, Europe and stuff like that, those teams could bring those cars over here and compete stateside. And so now they have a bunch of new cars like the Sin R1 and the KTM Crossbow and and there's a Janetta and a couple other random cars that were never here before. Well... So the Sin R1 GT4, there was, I, I wish I this has been a, probably a week ago now that I've watched it, but the driver, the one of those drivers got pole. I wish I could remember his name. This is really bad news. It is what it is. <laughs> but he got pole, and then at the start of the race, he stalled out and killed it. Oh shit! And so everyone got out and they got around the first corner and they threw up a, a whole. F- full course caution. Right. And they pull started him, got him running, and he managed to catch up. Uh, because they let the pace car back out, mm-hmm. and so they had to finish that lap. So he managed to catch up to the back of the pack before they finished their lap again. and yeah. got green again and drove through the entire field and made it back and still fucking won. What? Yeah. Just had, like, the hero drive of his life. And what, what car was this? A Sin R1 GT4. Sin, that's S-Y-N? S-I-N. S-I-N. Yes. I don't know if I'm familiar with that car. So I, I looked it up a little bit before we started this, and they do have a road legal version, and it is uh, LS-powered, and it makes a lot of power, and it's really cool. And it's kind of Lotus Elise-esque because the the guy built it to be a road car that feels very much like the real race car. The interior doesn't have a lot of frivolity. It's just, you know, it's everything it needs to get it down the road and no more. That's pretty cool. I'm looking at a picture yeah. of it now. So is that street legal in the States? They have a... Sh- I don't or is that a kit, would that be a kit car? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably one of those... It's like when Noble first started. I bet you that. They started like, they hey, we're, we're a small car manufacturer in the UK. You can come buy one. And then, you know, they got a call from the US and they're like, well, 
if we take the chassis and separate it from the engine and we se- ship them separately, we'll just call it a kit car when it gets there. And Yeah, I'm sure that they could probably work something out. It's a very cool looking car, though. I think they're like 60 or 70 gur, though. At least. What? That's cheap. I mean... I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. If you can walk into... I think it's probably faster than an Elise. Yeah. Because it oh, makes so much so. more power. would think so. But I think Elises are, are... I mean, we think of them as not cheap cars here. But I think in the UK, they're pretty reasonable. Now, that said, the insurance on them might be insane because it's a tiny sports car. I think car. that's the way it is with anything of that sort there, though. But I think, you know, if, if this is, let's say, that 60 grand, 60,000 pounds for the Sin, the the lease might be 30,000 uh, pounds. The uh, starting price for the Sin on their front page of their website is 145 pounds. 145,000 so pounds. Straight up lied to us, then. Oh, I could have swore the <laughs> thing, the article I read before said they were like 70 grand. The new Sin R1 is here, starting at 145,000 GP, GBP, which is pound, I assume. Yeah, Great British Pounds. Yeah. I this thing here says... No tax included. This thing here says the racing version is 110,000 pounds. Don't trust your website. Yeah, apparently I can't trust this website. Lies. Uh, autocar.co.uk, you lied to me. That's a big website in the UK. Maybe, maybe they're maybe racing. Maybe their pricing. It is an older... Yeah, he did say it's the brand new car, too. Yeah, yeah that's an older might be, article. We might be talking about just, two different cars. I just searched it real quick to see if there was a road-going version of it, because I'd never heard of it. And But the race car is... is it's wicked. A good, so it's, it's a good yeah. Real cool. 145 no taxes though, huh? That's what, no tax included. So I think you got to pay VAT on that, which is 20%. Not if you bring it here. Not if you bring it here. It's pretty we steep go, though. We can go GT4 racing. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Sold. With their huge budget that we don't have. We'll just dip into his trust fund and we'll call it a there day. There we go. I, that's going to take probably two months worth of trust fund payments we'll, to pay we'll, for. We'll just plaster <laughs> Beck Electric down the side and then it becomes a write-off. Perfect. I love it. Just don't tell dad. <laughs> He'll be on board. So, all right, that was that was all I had. Those are two random things that came up this week that I was like, these are too cool not to talk about. Absolutely. Somebody who can drive through, I, I don't know exactly how many about, but there were 20 cars right. at least, roughly. You know, he drove through the whole pack, managed to win in what is, I mean, a relatively short race. It's a, They call it a sprint. That's like some Ayrton Senna shit. It you was know what amazing. I mean? have you Such seen, a good drive. Have you seen that video of him and... I wish I was more more in touch with my F1 folklore, but there's a video of him at a race in the rain where he goes from like eighth to first in one lap in the rain. God. And it's insane. Every corner, he's on somebody's ass and he's around him, on somebody's ass and around him, just every fucking corner of that racetrack. Yeah. Sometimes you just get it and things fall together and stuff just happens. And yeah. That's, that so seems just, like it just happens more for some people. For him, that was. Every day that he set foot on a racetrack. Did you ever watch the uh, the docu- documentary? documentary? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen it's it. It's a three-hour documentary. Is it really that long? Because I've long. watched it multiple times, yep. and I've never realized it was that long. Well, I, wow. tried, I, I tried watching it once. It had no subtitles. So every time they would have someone from a different country, or a different language, obviously, <laughs> yeah. speaking. Um, it so would Italian, ju- probably. Whatever. Or Brazilian. Well, I suppose he's, he was. He's a Brazilian. <laughs> yeah, I guess He crashed at uh, Imola. Which is an Italian track. Yep. So I tried to watch it without subtitles, and that clearly did not work. So Are you talking about the new one? Because there's one from 2000. The one that's called Senna? The one that was on Netflix for the longest time called yeah, Senna. There's one and I never watched it on Netflix. I, I watched it uh, and I downloaded it because it's the only way I could get it after they took it off Netflix. Apparently there's one from 2004 also that I've never watched. Oh. That I don't think anybody knows anything about. I wonder if that's better. No, I, I wouldn't think so. I don't think they had the production budget that uh, the new one had. Oh, okay. 
I like. Did you not like the new one? Or I liked it. Oh, okay. I thought it was really good. It was really interesting. It's really because I didn't. I am not the biggest F one fan because they seem to always show the races when I'm asleep. So it's it's hard. It's strange that way, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to be as an American. You got to be like really committed to being an F one fan. Yes. And I'm so fair weather that especially I, since for so long we haven't had a team a race here or a yeah. race to so follow. It's kind of like, eh, what's the point? So. For me, I didn't know anything about Ayrton Senna until they started talking about him on Top Gear before the documentary came out. And then to see some of the driving and things that he did, it's just absolutely, I mean, it's stunning how good of a driver that he was. His qualifying lap at Monaco that every, always gets plastered across Facebook every couple of months, so fast. Yeah. I hate driving that track on games. It's so tight. It's so hard. There's it's no run so difficult. Mm-hmm. Not forgiving. And he just, like, drives it like he's in the middle. I mean, he's got 60 feet on both sides of him type of deal. Just, oh, so impressive. And that was back in the day when they didn't have crazy downforce either. Yeah, so or or any sort of electronic stability. Right, control. it's just you, and no, you had to shift your gears too. So many more things you had to do in F one racing back then. I don't know that there's more things or just different things. Because like, I mean, have you looked at an F one wheel lately? There's a lot of lights on it. Yeah, there was something about <laughs> half, half, kind a handful of, of buttons. This probably could have been news, but I'm, we're gonna go there anyway. There was a the last race in Spain. Robbie, my F1 guy. I think it was in Spain, the one last weekend. Yes. No. Sorry if you're an uh, F1 fan. Yeah, we're, Hamilton we're, we're, and Rosberg got in, a, in an accident. Yeah. Crashed each other out. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. And apparently Rosberg was in his low power 60% setting, and, I, and it was a mistake that he had made, and I think it was because he had pushed something or turned something on his wheel and didn't realize it. I think there's a dial. I think there's a power dial. I think dial. there's a dial. And then there's obviously the curves thing. And I think he messed it up by he accident. Screwed, he accidentally and, flipped it. And caused an accident in the process sticking with our on point f1 news that's uh, real tight <laughs> the i think those steering wheels are like a hundred thousand dollars i bet they're got yeah, carbon fiber they're carbon fiber There's so many electronics in there obviously they cannot fail so they're overbuilt you could, I mean, if you're the company that manufactures F1 wheels, you can charge whatever you want. But, I'm yeah, because sure. there's one. Yeah, you're you're making some healthy profit off of those. Yeah, but it's crazy the shit that they can do I on that wheel. I can't imagine driving that car well because it, it's got to be really hard just to drive that car, even Absolutely. without all the bullshit you have to deal with on that steering wheel. Just being able to drive those cars that quickly with things coming at you that fast, it's got to be hard to do. The thing for me that I would love to experience at some point in my life, bringing it back to the ACR, would be to in a car that has legitimate downforce. Like downforce that actually makes a massive the difference. The faster you go, the easier you can take the corner. I would really deal. like to see what that wall looks like. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's a speed where your downforce is not giving you enough to keep you on the track. And then, then there's a speed that you get to where now it is giving you enough force to it's keep you on the track. It's got to be such a weird feeling. So there's a there's a period in there where there's, you know, let's say it's 40 or 50 miles an hour. You have to be going 40 or 50 miles an hour faster. Or you'll crash. To go through that corner or you'll crash. Such a weird That's thought. A, it's a scary thought because I, w- I would never trust it. That's something you can, you don't really experience it so much, but you can, you can see the results of it in sim racing. Like you, you hop on Forza and you get in like you know the Audi LMP1 car and you're on Spa and you got to keep your foot flat through a Rogue or whatever that corner is because if you lift you'll crash but if you don't lift you don't crash and that's just so hard to 
dial through your head. Yeah, you, you think slower is going to be better, and it's not. It's yeah, you'll, you'll die. Yeah. I, I seriously wonder, though, if if when you're in the car, and we've talked about this with race simulators, too. Can you too, feel it? Can you feel Yeah. Do you, you feel, feel it pushing down on you? Oh, I've got it, downforce. I, I've, I got, it, I've got the grip. I, I think can the stay idea in is it. that downforce makes the car seem physically heavier. And so I don't think it pushes down on you so much as as the weight of the car allows allows it to have more grip. Definitely, I think. I wonder though, can you feel? Oh, I've got grip. Like in this, I'm okay. Like I've a, got grip. Well, like, I think uh, you can always feel that you have grip, but I don't think you feel it like pushing it on your no, chest. No, 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 no. That wouldn't like make sense. G forces. No, dude. it's not downward G force. Right. Not on you anyway, because it's not applying the force to you as the driver. You might feel a car pushing down. They talk about that with like World Time Attack cars. Yeah, uh, they'll be going down the front straight at like Sydney Motorsports Plex, where where uh, the World Time Attack Championship is held, and they'll bottom out their suspensions because they're they're going so fast and they have so much downforce that the car is pushing itself down into the ground. It's not creating enough upward force through the through the springs to to like, keep the yeah. car from hitting the ground. Like Nemo, the the famous Evo that kind of turned the t- time attack world upside down. Yeah, the guy that made it said that they think that car makes somewhere in the four thousand pound range of downforce. Absolutely nuts. That's a whole nother level Crazy. of engineering. Oh, you've created four thousand pounds of downforce. Great. Now figure out how to deal with it so it doesn't break. The they car. were worried. They were worried that they were going to create so much downforce that they'd blow the tires up <laughs> because it can't handle the weight. Well, yeah, so you've taken a 3,000-pound car. Well, I think they're lighter than that. Okay, 2,500 the, or 2,500 2 pounds, and all of a sudden it's 6,000 pounds. What tires are you going to put on it? Well, they're, they're a spec tire. They all run the Yokohama Advan A050 or something like that. So it's it's a spec tire in that particular series that that car ran. But if it's a spec tire and you're the only guy that's making four thousand pounds worth of downforce, you have. They, he said we had to run these simulations and we knew how fast we could go before we would blow up the tire, and we were fairly certain that the car couldn't do it. Hmm. Fair enough. Cross your fingers. <laughs> It'll be okay. God. Well, it's the same. It was the same issue with the uh, the Veyron. Not that I really like talking about the Veyron, but. They didn't know for sure. They thought maybe the tires would hold up at top speed. But they only maybe. do for like a short period of time. Yeah, like... Which doesn't matter because you'll run out of gas first. There's nowhere for you to drive it at top speed for more than like 10 seconds. Yeah, that's that's a car that we've... Like we've always talked about like people buy cars based on stats and then they take them to cars and coffee. That car truly is for that purpose only. That is a cars and coffee car. Absolutely. Nobody can't drive it. You, you can't, can't use it as it was intended to be used. You can use it on Volkswagen's test track in Germany. If you're the three people on the planet that they'll let on there. And one of them's their test driver, and he doesn't own one, so it's a, <laughs> it's a good good car. <laughs> the other one's apparently uh, um, Top Gear. Oh, James May. James May. Apparently yeah. he's allowed on it, too. Oh. Captain Slow doing 260. Yeah, no thanks. Speaking of spun of, off crazy there of crazy car technologies, yeah, that ties into our topic, our topic. quite well today. Robbie, do you want to introduce the topic that I we sure have do. for today? Yeah, our friend John suggested to us in a message. Uh, this is a little while back already. Yeah, but sorry, John. This was probably this month at least. We've had so many things going on. We this was busy. a topic I really wanted to do, so but we haven't had a chance to double back. We should say if if people have suggestions 
and things that they want to hear or topics that they want us to discuss, we definitely want to hear from you. So, you know, if you want to hit us up on Facebook, you want to send us a private message, you want to, you know, find me on Twitter. I mean, whatever you want to do, let us know. And then also to double back, if you hear something from a previous episode and you have something you want to say about it. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're wrong. Which I'm sure happens a lot. All the time. Yeah. Hit us up on our social media on that stuff too. I mean, we just, we just love hearing from people. I mean, we want, we want feedback on, I want to hear this or no, you guys were completely wrong. This is actually how it is. We want to talk to people. We want to hear what you guys want to hear. So we're appreciative that John shared this with us. Sorry that we didn't get around to it very quickly because we had some guests and things, but um, it's definitely a topic we wanted to double back to. Tell us what it was. All right. So he suggested that we discuss obscure technologies that we've seen in cars. And then basically this is stemming from the article that came out about McLaren using ancient laptops to maintain their uh, formula or their F1 supercar fleet. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a little while since I looked at the article too. They're buying, I'm probably oversimplifying it a little bit, but McLaren is basically buying used laptops. And we're talking from the early 90s. Yeah, we're, t- we're like talking the compact LTE... 5280 laptop, which I mean, they're is from buying, early 90s. They're buying them on eBay or wherever they can find them. So if you have one and you want to somehow get affiliated with McLaren, put it up on eBay for like 10 I would, grand. I would directly call them and say, listen, <laughs> here's my price. All I, want, all I want is a test drive in a P1, and you can have this laptop. They, that's, that's a fair trade. They might hook you up. Let me have it for like on a track day or something like that. Yes, you have a controlled environment, and you can have this laptop. It's yours. Yeah. No you can use it attached. as a PR stunt, whatever you want to do. So it's a it's a it's a bizarre topic in the fact that McLaren is having to buy these used laptops that have this very specific chip in them yep. because it's the only chip that will interface with the old uh, McLaren F1, the actual the road car F1. Yes. Yeah. So the the road car F1 uses a CA card to interface between the laptop and the computer, and which that, is a and term we don't quite know. I'm not. I don't know what a CA card is. Some of our tech friends should tell us what a CA yeah, card is. Not even sure. And then it's a DOS-based computer system. Oh, it is DOS. So it's, yeah. it's I knew there was something to do with school. DOS. I remember, I remember, you know, six-year-old me, like, I'm on Windows 95, and I want to play my bass fishing yeah. game. Yeah, you had and to so go you gotta back to DOS. you got to reboot the, car, the, the computer in DOS so you could... What a bizarre your, issue. God, I, I totally forgot about that. You know what else you used to do with DOS <laughs> in school was Oregon Trail. Yes, oh, that was DOS man. based, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. So. and it was on the ones that we had at my. This is this is good off topic stuff. The ones that we had at my <laughs> school, I think, were the the they were the five inch floppy. Ooh, that were okay. actual floppy disks for the kids who don't know. <laughs> we're not that old, but whatever. no, this this would have been old technology when I I yeah, got to it yeah. in school. But they had so you think about if you know what a floppy disk is, you probably think it's that three and a half inch hard plastic disk. Yeah. They used to store no information. It was so like a picture. small. Like yeah, a yeah. big one was a 512K, and, and now it's like, that doesn't even it's store not, I just bought uh, I just bought a card the size of a quarter, and it holds like 14,000 pictures <laughs> on it. It's ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> I read pictures, the name know. of floppy disks came from those, they were five or five and a half inch disks, and they were plastic, but they were actually floppy. Like you could pick them up, and they would... Wobble, 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 yeah, they would wobble back and forth. So we used to play Oregon Trail off of uh, original floppy disks. I used to have uh, the Star Wars movie, uh, I think Return of the Jedi, oh, on a laser no. disc. <laughs> <laughs> on a laser disc, which is like a CD, except it's 
two or three times the diameter. And it was weren't those metal? Weren't those actually metal? Yeah, I think laser so. disc. So it was and like I, this. I never got to play it because I couldn't find a working laser disc player. But for a short period of time in my life, I owned. I'm pretty sure it was Return of the Jedi on laser disc. That's like a death disc. If you threw that at somebody, Straight cut their head, just head cut off. their head off. Have you seen? Have you blade, seen really? a laser disc before, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Robbie? Okay, it's they're quite just, the deal. They're so heavy. <laughs> So anyway, we just thought that was um, it's so a bizarre, bizarre. It's a bizarre issue, but it makes, I suppose, it makes some sense because we've got we've we've started integrating computers into cars, and by started, I mean over the last 20, 30 years. So a lot of these cars have to be serviced via computers, and especially a car like the F one, which at the time was pinnacle of of technology. It's still an impressive. I mean, it's still like one of the fastest naturally aspirated cars, if not the fastest. I think it, I is, think it the is the fastest naturally aspirated car. Yeah, I mean, it's still even. What is it? Twenty five years later. Yeah, it's still an impressive car, even by today's standards. But anytime you put electronics and computers in cars like that, you're gonna have to service them via computer, and they're out of date tomorrow. So it presents a very interesting issue, and McLaren has discovered what that is. They're having to buy compact computers off of eBay. They did say in that article that they're trying to figure out how to replicate that chip. I can't believe yeah. they don't just I, yeah, you'd think they put could a just, standalone MoTeC in it and move on with life. Yeah, you'd think they could come up with something where you just plug it in and then hook it up to a USB. But like, would you... I mean, doesn't that take away from some of the heritage of the? I mean, this is a very hallowed car. I don't really care. I guess. I guess for yeah, if you're maybe if you're, if it's a thirteen million dollar car now, so I'm right. sure no one wants to mess with it. It's just like you know, we go back to the Ferrari getting an oil change from Jiffy Lube ruins the value. But like, I can I only would, imagine what taking. I would rather would have my McLaren F1 road car, a road car with a standalone that it didn't come with, right. than a garage centerpiece with a computer I can't service. Right, and that's why we're different than the people that actually own these cars. I guess. For the most part. Yeah, that's a different that's a different world. When you start getting into really high-end supercars and what you have to do to maintain them, it's a, I would even, it's a world that I would we don't classify understand. That as hypercar. I mean, that was the original hypercar to me. Yes, I would agree. So, anyway, I brought up an interesting topic. Um, so, yeah, th- we wanted to talk about Technologies that have gone by the wayside that look weird and ridiculous by today's standards. And That's Adam, where we kind of wanted to go with it. I think Adam had uh, several stories. You had yeah. some stuff. So you I talked, I, to I your talked dad with about. my dad quite a bit. Now my dad, he's been around cars since he was little. My grandpa owned a service station, and and my dad has has been there and done that with just about every form of at least American produced vehicle on the planet. And so I called him up and I had a little bit of a chat with him about some weird stuff. And, and I know of some weird stuff that I've seen growing up at car shows and stuff like that. And I think Michael probably has a few of those as well. And I think this is going to be a real learning experience for Robbie. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm. You guys are educating me on these obscure things. This is going to be honest, quite a deal. I honestly don't know if I've ever worked on anything that wasn't OBD2. I think some, of, new, these you know, are, some of these are even going to... like. I'll bet Michael has seen it and not known what it was, and it might clear some stuff up for him even. Is so you, two, you two are going to sound like old timers, so this, well, kind of, this is going to be fun. I mean, I'm 20, almost 29. I'm old. But he goes by Dadum for a reason. Yes. Yeah. I'm 28 going on f- like 50. At least. So why don't you kick it off with one of the uh, the stories from your dad or something you so, remember? So the, we'll, we'll, we'll start with real old stuff and maybe move forward. Okay. Uh, 
When I was in high school, I worked for a dealership. I was the wash boy at the GM dealership in my hometown. And the guy that owned it was a diehard car nut. And he was he was all about originality. And he had like a mid-40s, well, I think he had two or three of them, frankly. But he had some mid-40s Chevy pickup trucks. And these were as bone stock original as anything you've ever seen in your life. I mean, literally the most up-to-date thing he did on was he converted them from 6-volt, which actually might be something in of itself. Fun fact, really old cars <laughs> used to run 6-volt charging systems, and they were dog shit. Yep, and they didn't have alternators they, they had, had generators generators and they never fucking worked never ever ever <laughs> Shit ever was ever. always dead <laughs> just terrible like that was back when when spark plug wires didn't have caps on them they were just open ended and they clipped on the top of the spark plug and that was it yeah and they had uh points crazy. points points are crazy i don't even know really I don't what understand points, points are. either i can't talk but about it's points. so in the distributor yeah in a normal like you know cars now don't have distributors they have coil packs but in, in a distributor from like i don't know mid 60s maybe early yeah 60s, i think so I'm not really sure. they went to a, a like a distributor as we would normally understand it which is just kind of a wheel that spins around in there with a metal contact on the end of it and the cap had the the well most of the time eight in that case because you had eight cylinders yep. had eight eight leads that went to the the spark plug plug wires that then went to the spark plugs so that thing would just whirl around inside of there and and usually the cam would spin it you had a shaft that came up from the cam and it would spin this thing and that's how you would distribute the power it also spun the oil pump a lot of times that's true yeah it did spin the oil pump and that would distribute the power to each of the cylinders so as that thing spun around it would send the 12, well, not 12 volts anymore, but it would have sent the electrical signal to the spark plug to spark and then fire off the uh, fire off the charge in the cylinder. So points, so, no idea how that no, I don't. I don't even know. Like, There's I, a way to set them. Yeah, there's like you gotta, all, these, all this you gotta, shit you got to do. There's a file involved. You got you to file them? What? Something. I wonder if you had to like set the depth of them or something. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Stuff we don't. Crazy thank video. God so, we don't so have to So electronic ignition, like even back then, cost like 12 bucks, you know, mm-hmm. like it was whatever. So the very first thing you did when you got a car that had points was you threw that shit in the trash can. You put electronic in, or, uh, ignition on it with a modernized cap and rotor, and that problem just went away. That yeah. was it. But, uh, yeah, so... So my old boss had these really early, early trucks, you know, inline six cylinders, the whole nine yards. Bias ply tires? Yeah. Don't understand like those. The, the reproduction <laughs> white wall bias plies, Glad those the are whole gone. nine yards. Split like, rims? Probably. That's another thing we could probably talk about. We could about. talk about, just real quick split on rims. split rims. My dad's 70 C20 had split rims because it was, again, bone stock original most dangerous fucking thing you could have. So I talked to my dad actually today about split rims, not in anticipation of us talking about them, but because it had came up in another topic, I was talking with him. Uh, being that my dad used to work at a service station, one of their mainstays was tired work, especially for agricultural. Yeah. So tractors, which are all split rims. And legitimately, split, split rims can kill you. There have been people who have lost their heads straight up. Go to any small-town tire shop that's been around since the 50s. Somebody's died in that shop. For sure. Yeah. So my dad actually told me a story today where he was, they had done split rims for years and years and years and years and years. And then one day, one of them exploded. And they this is in a building that had a high enough ceiling that they could put cars up on a lift on it and work underneath them. And there was a ring on the ceiling. Last time my dad was in there, you know, 
25 years later, that ring was still on the ceiling where a split tire or split rim had come apart and shot probably 15 to 20 feet into the air and hit the ceiling with enough force to leave a ring on it. And so their solution, a lot of people bought cages mm-hmm. to put their... No. Don't have... They'll like still a, blow... You, you'll shit your pants. I don't care what yeah, you're doing. If you're working the, on a split rim and that thing blows up in a cage... My grandpa was too cheap damn. to buy a cage. So what <laughs> they did was that they would roll the tire over by a hoist and put the hoist up in the air a little bit, roll the split rim underneath it, and drop the hoist arms back oh down on the tire God. and then put the air thing on it and walk away from it. Oh, my God. And when it, when it would bead and start filling up, then you could come back to it. Because what would happen on those... They're literally split... Yeah, and they're welded in the separate, middle. Yeah, they would sections. explode apart. Like at the at the weld, obviously. At the weld, yeah. I don't then, think they're welded. I think they're bolted together. They're bolted together, and that's how you t- you take the rim apart to get the tire and the inner tube out. And that would come you apart. You unbolt the halves from each other, take one half out, and then you can pull the tire and the inner tube off. I think that's how a split rim works. That's so scary, terrifying. No, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm out. So there's a there's oh, a nice. lot of shops you'll go into. If you rock up in a truck like that that's got a split rim, nope. Not, not touching it. Get out of here. Don't, anyway, even, don't even park that in my parking lot. That had, I think the one that I he drove most often had a three on the tree, which is kind of weird. It's a manually shifted transmission, but it's on the column. But it had five pedals. What? Yeah. Why? Five. So can you do the math on that one? No. Try to work knock it out here, Robbie. To me. Knock it out here, Robbie. Give me Try to work it out, Robbie. Try to explain as many of those pedals away as you can. We got gas. That is one. Brake. That's two. We have clutch one. <laughs> clutch is three. <laughs> you one got clutch. three of them. There's only one clutch. Pedal. Only, okay, I thought maybe we had like three clutches for each. No. The fourth <laughs> one, the fourth one you should be able to get to cuz it's still a pedal in a lot of modern day cars. Well, this isn't like the uh you got your headlights and shit on the floor. No, no, no. not Well, there was that, too, but I wasn't even counting <laughs> that. But I'm t- still in a lot of modern-day cars, this can be a pedal. Sometimes it's a lever. Sometimes it's a pedal. Now it's oh, a like button. A park, like a parking brake? Yes, oh, so okay. e-brake. But the fifth one, the truck was new enough to have an electronic starter. You know, you're not out there cranking it. It did have an electronic starter. I believe it had a hole for a crank if you needed to, but it did have an, a starter Because <laughs> your six-volt was going to die yeah, and you were going to be hand-cranking so, it. So... But the key just had an on and an off position. That was it. And the fifth pedal, which was to the right of the gas, it was the most right pedal, was the starter. So, and so you would you would make sure the vehicle is in neutral, use your right foot to push the starter pedal, and your left foot to feather the gas to get it to start, and there was a knob that you pull out on the dash for choke to get it to run. <laughs> Okay, and then you got to move your feet over. Yeah, it was bad. And if you're on a hill, don't bother with the starter. Push the clutch in. Bump started. Bump started. Off you go. <laughs> yeah, no, no time for a starter. You bump start it. So, yeah, back in the day, you could leave the keys in that vehicle, and there's 0% chance that that it will get ever stolen. get stolen. <laughs> because by today's standards, even a, a regular manual transmission car is is all but anti-theft at this point. Right. But can you imagine the confusion of a five pedals on the floor? What do you do? I'm confused. I'm lost. It's out. Yeah, I, probably, I would not get that right. So on that note, we should talk about the bright switch. Yeah, which I... This is something I think they should still do. 
but in a lot of early cars, and I don't know when they made the transition to the stock. My 79 has it still. Uh, there used to be a button on the floor right next to like your dead pedal where you'd rest your foot that you would just tap and it would turn the brights on and then you'd tap it again to shut them off. And I actually asked my dad about this. He does not have any specific reason why they transitioned to being a stock on the column. So I asked him, I said, is there, was there like some federal mandate or some reason why they moved it? And he could not come up with one. Do you think it was cheaper to manufacture all the controls on the column <laughs> and not run a separate lead down there? I would for think that it would pedal? be because manufacturing all that stuff in the column is very complicated and therefore should probably be more expensive than a simple momentary switch on the floor and a two wires leading to it should be very simple to manufacture and install. I can't come Would up with a good reason why it needs to fail, be there. fail, maybe? They get wet? Think but if they, they fail, fail, they're easier to replace than when they fail up on the column. Yeah. Now, maybe maybe it was I, a moisture deal. That could be. I, don't I agree know. with you 100%. I couldn't, because when I, I was pretty young when I got the 79, but when I got in there and started driving that, I was like, holy shit, why aren't all bright switches on the floor? I this love is it. way so safer. Good. And as we were saying, when we were talking about this the other day, we were saying, you don't, you're not, even if you have a manual car, you're not shifting when you're using your brights, usually. You're usually on, you know, a county highway. Yeah. You're going 55 miles an hour. Somebody's coming. You can easily reach over with your left foot and tap that switch to turn down to your normal lights. I don't know why they don't use it still. It makes sense to me. I like them. Anything that keeps your hands on the wheel, why is that a bad technology? Yeah. That's how I feel about it. So anyway, it's gone now. Yeah, Sometime you in a vehicle has had that, that no, you're aware I've of? Never, driven never noticed one that way? No. Sometime in the 80s, crazy. they got rid of them, apparently. No, it, like, on this page here, they're claiming that the <laughs> 91 Ford F-Series, I think, still had them. 91 Ford, that's pretty new, that's, relatively yeah, speaking. E-Series, sorry, the 91 E-Series. Oh, the Vans. Oh, the Vans. Sorry. Vans. Nice. sorry. That doesn't surprise me. They haven't changed anything in those Vans since 1965. Yeah. So, No, I've never driven that. Hmm. Crazy. Did you have another story? I have a couple. Yeah, just keep you going. You got one? No, go ahead. Keep going. You want me to keep going? I'll just add color commentary. This is one that I think Robbie's going to be like, what the fuck? Do we, too bad we don't have video to like watch my face as you guys tell me all these yeah, old time stories. Yeah, this is the one where, this is definitely one where we should be periscoping. So this is real early, like pre-war stuff for the most part, although I think they used it into the 50s. Okay. But way back in the day, air filters used to be in oil baths. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that on like tractors and stuff like that. More, so apparently modern, it was but. it was very good at drawing the particulates out of the air, much better even than probably modern day filters. Yeah, I think but so. it's very messy. Yeah. So was it a was the oil in motion? Oil I don't think flowing so. through is just sitting in oil. It's just sitting in oil. But not obviously submerged. It's separate of the engine oil. Yeah, it's a different type of oil, don't, I believe. Don't two stroke engines do that? They have oil soaked filters. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. This is literally an oil bath. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm thinking two-stroke I, oil. I I tried to have my dad explain it to me because I remember owning. We had a like a '54 Pontiac Star Chief for a while, which was the most baller thing we've ever. Isn't owned. that a huge car? It's huge. It had an inline eight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we have more of those? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, it had. Uh, the hood ornament, because yeah, cars still does. had hood ornaments yep. at that time. But it had a, an Indian head that stuck out like six inches in front of the 
yeah. the farthest point of the hood. Yeah. And the head was illuminated at night. And there was a chrome strip that went all the way down the hood, like a proper hood ornament. Ship. Back before they were worried about pedestrian safety. Because if you hit somebody with that, you were definitely going to kill yeah, them. Yeah, you could pierce their skull with it for sure. That's the only reason that hood ornaments went away. So cool. Pedestrian Love safety. But yeah, they're cool. It had, it had like bench seats. That's something they don't do anymore, you know? And it was just massive, just huge. And it was super original. And my dad loved that stupid thing for so long. <laughs> I we bet that it, straight We had it a really long time. I bet it made like 160 horsepower. Yeah, I bet nothing. it wouldn't even, it I bet it didn't even do that. Pulling around 5,000 yeah, pounds. 5,500 pounds of raw American metal. And at the time, they're like, this is the most powerful and fastest car that we but make, you know. It was surprisingly smooth and coming. I mean, it just floated down the road. Oh, absolutely. It was quite the deal. But it had an oil bath filter, and I don't remember it well enough to be able to describe it. And my dad tried to describe it to me, and I didn't get it. It's very strange. So do you, uh, presumably, you change that oil You do have to change the oil yeah. periodically, yes. So is it, uh, I have a lot of questions. So does it sit partially in the oil because obviously you can't have the whole filter in yeah the oil. that was my question was like it's not pulling the air through the oil he said no but and see that's what i did i wonder understand. if the filter material it was sitting in the oil and then it would draw the oil up into the filter you know just like if you put a piece of paper partially in water water draws yeah, up the paper like a, a wick yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's well a wick yeah it's exactly like a wick Could i bet that's that but then would you have to... My uh, dad said that, that as the air passed through the filter, the particulates would stick in it and then would fall into the oil. So you wouldn't have to necessarily every oil change clean the filter. I don't think that it was a standard, like, you know, every couple thousand miles you change the oil in the filter and the car. I don't think that was quite that way. If my dad ever changed that, I don't remember him doing it. Now, granted, I was like 10 at the time. I vividly remember the car, but I don't remember the details of it. It was cream. It was massive. It had strange colored glass in the back, because that was back when they like smoked blue Yeah, glass. The back glass. You know, it's curved, was, right? <laughs> curved yeah, glass? Yeah, and the, the windshield was just massive. That's, a, that's kind of a technology that's gone away, too. Well, yeah, big big pieces of curved glass. It's so expensive. Yeah, so super spendy. (laughs) Yeah, you get into the fifties though. You start looking at some of the glass on those cars. I mean, that stuff's curved at like a ninety degree angle on some of those. Yeah, it's quite the deal. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I can see why they don't do it anymore. And it's probably not really safe because a lot of times you had paper thin A pillars in order to have that giant piece of curved glass. Yeah, it's not good for crashes or no A pillars at all. Right. Just a greenhouse all the way around you, yep. a pillarless cabin. Not safe. No. Nah. No one cared, though. Hit me with another one. Uh, while we're on the oil topic, apparently early cars, we're talking 30s and 40s here probably, a lot of early motors did not have any oil filter of any type. That wasn't a concern for them. But then as motors aged and people started realizing that you need some sort of filtration, for the oil filter, they tried to, or for the oil, they tried to figure out a way to implement one aftermarket. And apparently, according to my dad, what they came up with was there's always a lot of those motors still had an oil pressure gauge. So they would tap into that port. 
But then my what my dad was saying that only like ten or fifteen percent of the oil, as it passed as it circulated through the motor, would make it through the filter, and so it really wasn't that much more effective than not having it at all. Yeah, because there's not much circulation happening through the gauge. No, it's you know an eighth inch hose fitting, right? Or uh, national pipe fitting, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and PT. So it's just a little bitty hose, yeah, or pipe. And so there wasn't any significant flow through it. And at the time, tolerances on motors were not nearly what they are today. No. So having some shit floating around in your oil probably wasn't the end of the world. Well, I suppose. Plus, you know, not only that, but just chemicals from back then were not as as stringently uh, produced as they are now. Yeah, I'm sure their motor oil wasn't the quality that we have now. No, no. I just thought it was weird, you know. It's, an oil filter is something that you just know. You need it. Every car has one, and you need to change it with some regularity. I'm not convinced you need to change them with every oil change, necessarily, but you do need to change them with some regularity. And there was a point in this world where no one had even thought of that to the point where they didn't have them on a car, period. That is a crazy thought. It's just weird, you know. It's something that, no, that, not a thing. It's whatever. Now nah, we don't need that. That oil will be fine forever. Yeah. It's like uh, N- Nissan with their new CVT uh, selling you it's li- lifetime fluid. Yeah. You that's, don't, exa- that's a great comparison. Actually. <laughs> you don't need no fucking filter on that. You're fine. It'll be good that's, forever. Yeah. That's probably a really good. Yeah. yeah same mentality a hundred years later. Yeah. We got it. So that's a no. The service on that, the service interval on a Nissan CVT, at least in 2013, was not. You don't change it. The original. No. By 13, they'd already accepted the fact that they need to be changed. Oh, okay. But when they, I think in 2010 when they came out, that they were intended. They were saying that it's a they were lifetime. intended to be a sealed lifetime transmission, basically. Like Which you, you could take it apart, obviously, but the intent was good that Good thing you, they put a drain plug on it. Yes. Which even on an automatic transmission, you got to change the fluid in it. Yep. You got to flush it and change the fluid in it. Yeah. I'm, There's a service interval for that. Well, I'm still convinced that the reason the RAV lasted up until 315,000 miles was based was just because I did stringent maintenance. Like every three to five thousand miles, makes a huge difference. Changed all my oils, changed all my fluids regularly. Um, every thirty thousand miles after one hundred seventy thousand, I changed the uh, transmission fluid as well. Uh, my Audi had wet clutch packs yep, for I, the I remember that. for the transmission. So every seventy thousand miles, you're supposed to, supposed to replace the Halidex fluid, and there was a filter on the Halidex, and it required a special rent that you had to purchase. Of course, it did, which, which cost one hundred and seventy dollars. And I still have because fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> fuck I, that guy. What do you I mean? Can't, I kept well when I sold the car. I I, oh. I gave him most of my TT Audi stuff. Stuff yeah. like I had a I had a TT branded cover that was from a de- it was a dealership thing that you could buy. It's basically the only fitted cover you can get, and it's I mean they're not cheap. I sure. paid a lot of money for it on eBay. I don't even remember, but you know I gave him that. I gave him a bunch of other stuff. Kept the Halidex filter wrench because. Uh, you never know. Yeah, and you're leaving that. You're leaving that window just open. In so case, just, just, yeah. just, just he's, in case. Just, just, He's not committing to going back to a TT. Because I but only he could used go back it, to an Audi. I only used you know? it once, and I would like to, to have the option if I need it again. Okay. If you have an Audi that has a dual clutch transmission, you can contact Adam through our Facebook page, ten tenspodcast dot com. A ten dollar rental. Ten dollar rental. That's all. Yeah. Or, 
What's it going to cost for them to have you demonstrate how to use it? It's not going to happen. <laughs> I was just say, you have a history of working on Audis in parking you, garages you that you come, don't know. You can so. come and get that wrench from me, and then you can bring it back to where you're going to work on your car, which is not in my driveway. And when you're done with it, you can bring it back to me. But until further notice, I'm not there to help. <laughs> I think that's fair. I had a yeah, friend whose wife crashed her TDI this week, and he was really mad about it because Volkswagen was about to buy it back. Oh. Now it's not going to happen. But he was talking to me about what they should buy again, and I was like, just, he was really, really weird for me. But I was telling him not to buy a Volkswagen Audi Group product. You would have been so proud of me, Robbie. I am so, so proud. Did, so what did you tell him to buy? You want to know what I told him to buy? I said, I think you should look at Hyundai. Why? Because they come with a rocking good warranty, ten year, hundred thousand mile warranty. It's rocking good. Can't turn that stuff down. Oh, you're telling him to buy a brand new car. For yeah, he wants he wants to put her. This was a brand new car. They bought it brand new a year ago. Uh, He wants to put her back in a brand new car. Right now, he's looking at a Passat GLI. No, which I'm not sold on. But they're cheap because Volkswagen can't give away cars, so that's what they're doing. They're giving them away. They're, I mean, it's like zero percent for oh, seventy-two yeah. months, and dealers are suing. And they're Volkswagen like, they're like ten grand off wow. a sticker just to get cars off the lot. I mean, they are doing what they can. It's so I, crazy. I could, I could trade the Rogan on a Volkswagen. Is what you're saying? And get wow, top, you top are dollar. desperate, aren't you? No, it's 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 driving fine. I just I don't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> So as we're speaking about Hyundai, sorry to rabbit trail, but I'm going to go there because I want to be slightly want to be talked out of this idea, but I'm going to I'm going to pitch it out there and I want to see if I can get blasted on social media for it. Been seriously thinking about getting like a 2010, 11, 12 Hyundai Genesis sedan. I forgot. Five liter R spec. It's quite a car. This Genesis sedan, the four door Genesis, Why? came with a five liter V eight yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. Five liter V eight. Five liters. I I, yeah. That's that's, that's it's, a five. it's the R spec package. It's got yeah. upgraded suspension. It's got bigger sway bars. It's three in it. more than what he's got right now. No, it's more than that because they only have a one point six. Oh, it's a huge engine. Yeah, so it makes four hundred and thirty horsepower, Robbie. Four hundred and thirty. What is your obsession <laughs> with these big, huge, heavy? Luxo barges. Thank you. Because you know, you know what I Why? really, 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 really want. I want a 2005 Mercedes E55 AMG. Then why don't you just buy that? Because smoke <laughs> show. Yeah, for sure, explosion. <laughs> You know why he doesn't want to buy that? Because even Trust Fund over there can't afford rear tires on an E55 AMG. No, I can't <laughs> afford the service on it. Because if something goes wrong, I don't, I don't know what's how to fix it. On an E55? How many how many listeners do you think actually believe that he has a trust fund? All of them. <laughs> I want them all to believe that he has a trust fund. Okay, so Robbie, talk me out of the giant Luxo barge with the huge I, Why, I why don't have, you like Luxo barges? They seem... Because it's I, super practical. For a guy that has... It's comfortable. Like what? It's boring. It's relaxed. You just... There's so much... It's got down. cool it seats, It massages Robbie. your back while you drive would, about. It's just... Robbie, what do I do? Ah. I drive like an asshole on the interstate. Which is true. But having, if you're gonna get a, a five liter Genesis sedan, but if you're gonna go that way, why would you, straight like, don't get a Hyundai? Sure. Get, get get your Cadillac. Get you know get your Mercedes. Yeah, but because is, those are boring and cliche. These those are cliche. This makes more power than the first gen CTSV. When you're driving five thousand pounds around, who cares about that power? You're not you're not using it to drive fast. You're using your race cars to drive wrong. Fast. Wrong. You're using it to do burnouts. <sighs> All the burnouts, big smoky burnouts, preferably. Like we're we're living that Australian dream. Okay. Oh, that's true. 
It's on the inside. It's 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 business like. It's composed. It's, it's, it's quiet. quiet. On the outside, it's a giant tire smoking madness fire spinning <laughs> machine. But but if he's not treating it as such and he's just driving down the interstate at ninety five miles an hour, That's other than not the fact the speed that he's speeding, <laughs> other than the fact that he's speeding, no one will ever notice him because he just blends in. He's normal. This is I don't I can't understand why they you will would think like I'm it. a businessman until I blast past them in my flat billed Jegs hat. I feel weird encouraging this, and you're not because it's super practical and boring. And I still it's not, think it's I would a great not call idea. it practical and boring. Are you kidding me? You could haul three kids and the groceries in that. It bad gets boy. like 23 mpgs. I like how you're uh, always including the kids and the family aspect of it now. Well, I mean, Dad, I'm over here. You got to he do. He, he went from thinking, I don't need no fucking backseat, <laughs> rear wheel drive. I don't care. Um, we need, don't a, we need a backseat for my kids. I don't have a backseat in my daily driver. Whatever, but you're just telling him why he needs his car based on kids. I know. I'm trying to get you to say, yeah, you should buy that. You should buy that. <laughs> Is this a victory? What do they cost? Uh, they're not very expensive. I didn't think. I figured depreciation wait, 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 wait. would be a motherfucker. Yeah, depreciation on them sucks. So Big if you rock. bought a new one, <sighs> bad bad day for you Don't if you bought it. A, a used one. Well, the thing about Hyundai, Hyundai is, you know... A, it's probably seven, still seven, in the Seven-year-old Hyundai. I don't know if you really want to go it's that way. It's probably still in the warranty. Still in the warranty? Seven. What do you say? Seven years old. Like three or four years old, maybe. You said 2000. 2010 oh, to 12. I, I was yeah. thinking 2000. Yeah. Sorry. That's oh, not so old then. It's, you, know you, you do you. You know, if you don't want to spend money on your RX7 project or you don't want to finish your other projects, that's fine. That's not a project. This, this, isn't, just a this isn't a project. Car. This is just, I he want something probably, to hoot around He in. could probably sell his, his Veloster and buy that outright. Yeah, not quite, but, but yeah, like maybe another five grand. Yeah, I mean, what's another five grand? It's a week, maybe two. <laughs> I can't tell if this is a victory or if I've lost. I think he's just agreeing with you because he's tired of arguing. Please tell. I, I want other people. For, for the record, I still think your three-door Veloster is a stupid car. So I I, I encourage I just, a four-door car with you. You don't understand what? I don't understand why he hates the Veloster so much. I don't know. For it's a guy with, th- a, with a broken transmission. It's not broken. Dro- we drove it today. It was fine. Let's move on. But tell <laughs> tell me I'm right or I'm wrong on social media. I don't. I think yeah, let's 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 be, let the fans decide. Let's let other people decide. Yeah. I think everyone's going to be in on this. We'll post pictures of one. I'm okay. More, the more I think about it, the more I'm in it because I don't like your Veloster because it's got three doors and the one if, door's on the wrong know, side. Do you know, like, if there was a line of cars, would you be able to pick out a Veloster or a uh, Genesis sedan? Uh, yeah. I know what Genesis is. The sedan. I know what Genesis are. <laughs> because the sedan and the coupe are nothing alike. Yeah, I know. That okay. always bothered me. Okay. They had the same name. Yeah, it was weird to me, too. Bye-bye. Aren't they like their own brand now? Yeah, but the the coupe really wasn't, though, was it? It was kind of a... I think it was always badged as a Hyundai. Yeah, it was, but now... And if you don't I like don't, the way I'm the saying that, is, too bad. I don't care. I think care. the coupe is dead. <laughs> no, not dead. It's you can't. You can't get the. Uh, they took away. They did something stupid. You can't get the two liter turbo anymore. You should only get the V six, which doesn't make any sense at all. I figured they would have gone the other way. Right. Exactly. That. Doesn't make any sense. Okay. Weird. Is what uh, it is. But you can still get one of those. Yeah. Because and then the Genesis sedan is now its own like luxury brand, kind of like a much much more entry level Maybach type of deal to Mercedes. No, they got. They have one more above that. The Equus? The Equus. Is that what it is? Yeah, and it's still pretty, air quotes, cheap. It's like 70 grand. When you're looking at a Maybach, yeah, it's cheap. Compared or to S-Class, they're, they're shooting now. for probably like 
cheap seven series buyers. Like I want the seven series lifestyle, but I don't want to pay for it. You bought a an A six luxury package. Yes, that sort of thing. Yeah, because I think they're about seventy grand. It's not terrible. It's a lot cheaper than a hundred and ten thousand dollar S class or whatever they're going for now. It's steep. A lot of money for a car you don't drive. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So tell, really tell me your opinion on that. Did you have any other uh, technology? I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like there were a few random things that... I got one. I got oh, one I, I did think of another one. Okay. You go, no, you go okay. ahead and I'll come back. So the it. one I had, not really a technology, but just an interesting design change. So we were driving around in the C20, going to one of the old cars and coffee. Um, it has uh, all the old cars have like crotch coolers. Do you remember this, Adam? Yeah, they have those vents down low that you pull open. Yeah, so in the yeah. in the the C twenty that we have didn't originally have air conditioning, but there's a vent that both on the driver's side and the passenger side. And the C twenty is a truck, by the way. If I didn't, if you don't know, a Chevy pickup. Um, you can reach down and grab this lever under the dash and pull it open, and Does it opens. Your Camaro not have that. Not a vent, no. Because your dad's Camaro should. No, it's got uh, both of those cars were air conditioned cars. Okay, so they, that they wouldn't have them. An air conditioning vent that blows at your crotch. Right, but the non AC cars, muscle cars of the era, had the had crotch had the vents, crotch vents, like you're speaking of in the truck as well. What what precipitated? I mean, what meeting did they have where they're like, you know, we have air conditioning now, we should really blow air at people's genitals. <laughs> well, they were worried about crotch rot. I would. Is imagine. that what? It was? <laughs> <laughs> that was a real problem in the '60s, apparently. Yeah, I mean, you, you got your your Georgia swamp ass going. I I I think it's great. I'm not opposed to it. No. I'm just saying it's it's a weird. It's not a technology. It's just a weird design thing that was very common, and now you well, can't blow air I think it was the easiest crotch. place to duct air in before they had AC. And since they already had that set up, when they figured out AC, they just went with it. I, I, that's I'm sure what happened, because it was a, a simple place to add something to bring air in other than the little triangle front window thing. Which didn't really bring a lot of air in. Just no. gave you a place to get rid of your cigarette ash. Is that what that's for? As far as I'm concerned, it's what it's oh, for. Oh, those little those little triangle, uh, little triangle windows, windows? Yeah. at the A-pillar. Yeah. Never thought about that. It's just a place to get rid of your cigarette ash. Which is another... They don't, they don't have, they don't have uh, ashtrays anymore. Nope. Yeah. Well, calling something... Calling the power, the 12-volt power outlet in your car a cigarette lighter is not going to be a thing anymore. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. That, that, it'll, it'll be where you charge your vape pen. Recharge hey your yo. phone. Whatever. <laughs> Do you have? Have you bought your vape pen yet, Robbie? I have not. Do they, not? Have, do they have vape I, like, pens I, you can plug directly into your cigarette? I'm sure they charger? do. I don't know. Did you I, know that they have underglow on them? The I know the blue ones when you when you yeah they light up the they light up yeah <laughs> you so can stupid. you can get an illuminated tank and match your underglow what? yeah I don't have an underglow anymore you guys made fun of me I took it off <laughs> you ruined it what was your other technology I have thing one more I think. I think you might not even know this one exists. Okay. So way back in, in the day, the 50s probably, mostly, uh, you could get like, you know, the, the sun visor that was external to the vehicle and overhang mm. over the, the windshield yeah. like six to eight inches. Like those You could see them on trucks yeah, still yeah. every once in a while. It's an aftermarket thing. That used to be a factory option on cars in the 50s. Hmm. And the problem they realized was that with that, you can't see the stoplights. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> so they came up, the, a lot of those cars, and I, I asked, this was multiple brands, 
And this, there was a little glass prism on the center of the dash that was designed in such a way that it would see the stoplight reflect that to you. So you could look at the center of your dash and you could see the stoplight in the prism. So you could see when it turned to green and go, huh? I've never seen. What a bizarre thing. thing. Yeah. And I've seen them in cars and car shows. They still have them. It's still a thing. You know, people, you, if you, when we're good guys this summer, 10 bucks says, if you find a fifties Ford Chevy, whatever car that has that, um, Visor, visor on the outside. On the outside of the car. It will likely have a little small thing on the center of the dash, and that is a prism that allows them to see the stoplight. Hmm. And I said to my dad, I said, why was this, was this those sun visors, was that because they hadn't realized I could put them inside the car and make them fold away into the ceiling or, or what? He goes, no, those existed at the same time. It's just that they were still a styling cue. And people still want them. You could buy them as factory options. You could get cars in that time that had both (laughs) visors. Seems a little redundant. That was what they wanted. Very strange. But that's that's a really cool little piece that a lot of people, even if you had seen it, had no idea what it was. Yeah, I wouldn't have known. Yeah, very strange little thing. So, transitioning slightly, what do we think, as far as technology goes now in cars is going to be weird 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now. Obviously at that time, it, you know, it's it's hard it's it's hard to say for sure obviously what technology is going to do and probably by that time we've had this debate before, but autonomous cars may be mandatory. So a lot yeah, of technology so let's, let's may have changed. Let's pretend that that hasn't happened. Let's pretend yeah. that we're still driving our cars. What things do they do now that will seem weird then? My first gut instinct, the one that comes to my mind first, is knobs. Because they're already going by the wayside. Yeah. And I hate that. Like, everything's a touch screen now. I hate that I have to look at my touch screen and potentially even change pages on my touch screen to get to my climate controls. I like that in my S10, which is an early 2000s vehicle, and it's very basic, there are three knobs. There is temperature, where it's blowing, fan speed and i can change those things and know where they are based on feel i don't even have to look and that to me makes you a safer driver because if you can move those things without taking your eyes off the road that's better and i think that this touch screen doing away with knobs and buttons is a bad idea but that is the way we're going well have you seen the new the new top spec ford cars like the fusion no because my buddy has it's like a 13 or a 14 Fusion, and it's like the titanium one. My little sister has one of those, too. She have that. Yeah. The, the real high-end ones don't have buttons on the center console. It's just like a it's like a flat piece of plastic, and they've written what the buttons are on it, and then there's maybe a button underneath it. But it's, it's capacitive not, touch. Is that what it is? Probably. So it's, it's not like an actual physical, like if you're reaching over when you're wa- supposed to be watching the road to change the temperature or whatever, there's nothing to touch you to can't, know what you're touching. So you, yeah, you, you can't, without moving your eyes off the road and looking at the center console, right. you don't know where your fingers are. Correct. That's just wrong to me. I think it's dangerous. But I mean, it's, 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 it's the trend though. Everybody, they say, they, you know, at first you think, oh, it's just a fraction of a second, but like if you like look straight ahead 
then look to the side for two seconds, and then look straight ahead again, and realize how long of a time that is if you're doing 70 miles an hour, how much can change in front of you that quickly. It's bizarre that we are simultaneously making things more distracting while adding more and more safety aids. Because you know the the new thing, I don't know if it's 2017 or when it's supposed to happen, but backup cameras will be mandatory. Yes. So that means every car is going to have to have an LCD screen. So buying a bone stock stripped out car is not going to be a thing anymore because all auto manufacturers are going to integrate at least radio controls into a touchscreen. It's going to make aftermarket audio stuff difficult, if not impossible. It already is very difficult for a lot of vehicles, but I would think that at least aftermarket head units are going to be a thing of the past. There's going to be a lot more. You're going to need to have to, to, to program. I mean, if you really, really decide, okay, I want to put an aftermarket head unit in this car, you're going to have to have some programming background and, you know, com- technology background to some extent because you're going to be well, able to integrate with, you know, the, the climate control. So I wonder if maybe that's a market. Like, so maybe, because all that stuff is going to be tied together using CAN bus through the OBD2. Right. Could you do the same thing that people are doing now with boosted cars and cars in general and changing the engine tunes? Could you do that stuff through the OBD2 port to change EQ parameters or time delay or or stuff like that to improve the level of sound quality that the vehicle has? So basically you're just installing a graphical interface to change the computer that controls the climate So like control. If, I, if I buy a brand new car... And I outfit it with a bunch of speakers. I change out all the stuff. I put in higher end mids and highs. I put a little bit of sub in the back. And I run it all through the factory head unit. Right. Is it possible that that they could create a way to control that through a tablet that Bluetooths to the OBD2 sensor, just like people are doing with Cobb access ports or the... Bluetooth Bluetooth OBD2 readers. Yeah, I don't know if there's a firewall between, you know, on the OBD2 port, if there's well, a firewall there's a between firewall those computers. Firewall for the, for the car computer, too. They're, they're hacking through that and changing those parameters. I bet in the future, that will be a market. Yeah, I would agree with that. That will be a technology that comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not True. one that goes away, but... What else can you think you got of? Got any that, others that uh, go away? I think I have one other one that you guys won't have thought of but anybody else got one i couldn't think of anything drastic i guess to me we're basically if you unless besides driving like when you're actually moving you don't use your mirrors anymore like when you back up like even the new nissan rogue the same year as mine the not base model has sensors on every side of the car so when you put it in reverse you can literally see every, like there's I think there's, there's like a graphical there's four separate cameras there's like two. Jesus. There's one in the front, two on the sides, and one in the rear. So like, there's a picture of your car, and then there's four cameras on. You know, obviously portrayed, showing what's on either side of your vehicle. So it's the bizarre weird. thing is, we may not have mirrors in cars in the future. That's actually where I was going. What a weird concept. So I can't remember what this car is called. Volkswagen made this like hyper mile car that can get like 200 miles. Oh yeah. yeah, Or something like that. Is that the XL one? XL one is what I wanted to call it. It does not have mirrors because mirrors stick out in the airstream and create drag. And they were trying to lower their coefficient of drag in any way possible because this car was supposed to be like the car that made it right. 
to to that to that level. Yep. I think it was the hundred mile per gallon mark. Might have been, yeah, yeah. Two hundred seems out of control. Uh, Two hundred was the number that I went to in my mind first. Oddly enough, but I think hundred is the mark. Maybe it was a hundred, but anyway, it was high. It was su- seriously high. But what they did is they have very small pods that don't really stick out at all where the mirrors would be and their cameras and the the view is displayed on the dash. You don't have you don't have rear view mirrors on that car. You look at the dash to see it. What's behind you? What a bizarre overly engineered solution. But right now the federal law says that uh a screen with a moving image cannot be shown while shown while the vehicle is in motion. Right. So that federal law will have to change to allow those things to happen. Right now, you cannot have a backup camera that is active while the car is in drive and moving forward legally. Which is interesting because people are, speaking of your hacking into the car's ECU, people are hacking that specifically. Because even yeah. on the Veloster, there's a port in the uh, center console to plug in, we can plug anything you want in there. Anything that's RCA connection, you could play on the uh, on the infotainment screen. But obviously, oh, you have a like an RCA plug. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, I have an adapter cable. Yep, that's interesting. But it, it senses when the car. Mine's a manual, obviously, so it can't right. sense when it's in park. But it can sense when the car's moving, and it'll switch it off. But there, there's a lot of people on like the Veloster Facebook page that have hacked that. Uh, when I was doing car audio things, the video screens that people always wanted—that was one of the biggest things I ever put in vehicles. That was one of the most popular things. Uh, those have a have a safety switch that's supposed to be wired through the e-brake and what that yep. it, it it's really just a, a path to ground and when the e-brake is pushed it grounds it out and so you just put it on a toggle switch and you can flip the toggle switch on and it would and have you know the output of the switch the, or one leg of the switch goes to ground the other one goes to that wire and it would just turn the screen on and i would say probably 800 percent of the people that i installed it, they asked me if i could do that and depending on who they were i told them yes or no but then they started getting tricky and it started being like you have to flip it on and off and on and off and on or something like that bizarre weird yeah um the one i can think of which i don't know i don't want to say if it'll come to fruition i want to say when are airless tires because that technology what is that called um there's somebody that there's a tire company that makes one. They sent one down on like power tour, a car yeah. that had it. What are they called? I can't remember. Tweels? Maybe. But the weird thing about it is, is that it seems like they've been playing around with this technology for years and years and years and years. And I think that they're too smart to release they're it. Dangerously close to it though. Well, so. but I, th- I think the issue is they, they know how many, how much in tire sales it's going to cost them if you can't get a flat anymore. <laughs> Right. So really, well, the only place you ever see that now is like skid loaders and yeah, farming. Yeah, they have right. them on skid yeah. loaders already. Yeah. I think they're called twheels. Twheels. Because it's a tire and a wheel. Yeah. Yep. Or even just some sort of tire that doesn't take air anymore. But well, you, you wouldn't be able to made, com- mount that the on ones a conventional that wheel. that I've seen, they're one unit. Yeah. Yep. Which but is not really what I'm after. No. Well, I th- the ones that we see, I think, are for display purposes. So like they have no sidewall. And they look kind of goofy because they're like, what? "Hey, look at the, what's going on, you know, behind the scenes." I it's wonder not necessarily if what they because would they have that structure inside like that. I wonder if they can make them lighter so you have less unsprung weight, and therefore you have a car that could handle better. You mean with like 
less wheel, less actual metal wheel. Well, no, I'm saying the the rubber tire itself. Yep. Even if this was something that went on a standard wheel, mm-hmm. but you had an airless tire, they have to have that structure in the middle. Oh, sure, yeah. So I wonder if when you have that, if you can make the rest of the tire less dense or less like the sidewall less thick and maybe end up with a lighter tire. Maybe you don't need as much steel belt in it or something yeah. like that. Maybe you could end up with a lighter tire and less unsprung weight. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see when That's it comes. Reaching. Yeah, we'll see when it comes. But it's. I think we're on the cusp of it being released. But I, I really seriously wonder if they're dragging their feet because they know it's going to cost them some money if they release it. But I'm sure they're going to be expensive. Yeah, without a doubt. Definitely, at least at the beginning. Yeah. So. so okay. I want to say. Okay. To the fans. Because I know that there's going to be a million things that, number one, we didn't think of that has gone by the wayside. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that you guys are probably like, oh, they're going to do away with this in 15 years. Let's hear them. We want to hear them. I want to hear them. Send us an email, 1010spodcast at gmail.com. Send us a direct message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Let us know. Or we'll post it on the page. It. We'll see if post we can get straight a, up on yeah, the page. discussion started. That'd Tweet them at us, whatever. Absolutely. If, if you post them on the Facebook page... And I really like it. I might even share it so that everybody sees it because uh, user posts or whatever you want to call them aren't real. They get buried. They don't. They aren't you, real public. It's kind of so. If you if you post something on there, I'll probably share it so that the rest of the world can see it because I think it'd be fun to have a little discussion about this. I bet there's a lot of things, weird things that we didn't even think of. Oh, without a doubt, for sure. Robbie, what do we got for news? Um, well, kind of transitioning from the obscure technology. Features of cars. Um, right now, the Germans don't want your neck to be warm in your car when you have your convertible. So if you've How got a, dare uh, they? If you have a Mercedes Benz product that is a convertible, you can so get a, SL a whatever. Yeah, you can get a technology um, if you want to call it a technology. But basically, what it it's is an option. It's a vent that's in the headrest and it blows warm air on your neck if you're out driving around on a 50 degree day and it has the worst name of any individual option i think i've ever heard in my life the air scarf the air scarf when i told katie this she was kind of only half listening to me as she often does (laughs) and i said something mercedes-benz is not allowed to sell the air scarf in germany anymore and she and she like oh okay whatever and then she wait what Air, what scarf? She she was very taken aback by it. So, so apparently Daimler, who owns Mercedes or is Mercedes, whatever, however that works, has been told by a German federal court to stop selling air scarves in Germany because they don't own the patent. There's someone else, or is it just not owned at all? Yeah, Ludwig uh, Schatzinger, Schatzinger. <laughs> Ludwig Schatzinger owns the patent. uh, Is that an individual or a company? Yes, that's a person. He designed it back in 1996 or something, and uh, Mercedes just stole it and said, we're going to use it. So he's going to make out like a bandit? Yeah, because guess what? (laughs) This dude's straight up on a payday right here. Mercedes has to document every car that they've sold an air scarf in, in since 1998. Has this been an option that's existed for a long time? Apparently. I thought it was more like a mid-2000s type option. But, I didn't even uh, think it, I'd never even heard of this option. I didn't think it'd be that long. I, th- I thought this was the first year. How did, this, how did this individual, this Ludwig guy, how did he not realize this has been going on? Here's the thing. He did, he's not even suing Daimler. Who is? 
his uh, the company that holds his patent is apparently. Oh, okay. So, but why did it take them nearly twenty years to go? Oh wait, we own that, don't we? Oh shit. Maybe they knew and just let it happen for a so while. So they were going to rack up all these charges. Yeah. So now they've got instead of oh you sold a hundred cars now you got to pay us. No, they sold ten thousand cars. Well, I don't know how many it is, but here's the deal: if if Mercedes sells one more car with an air scarf in it, and of course this is just in Germany, it's a two hundred and fifty thousand euro fine. Oofta! Wow, one car. You're going to feel that one in the morning. What are they going to have to pay Ludwig, German person, <laughs> once they figure out... He's more vowels. Yeah. How many cars they've sold with this air scarf thing? Is it is it billions of euros? I mean, seriously. I don't know. Because they're going to figure out what they charged for the air scarf. Probably something stupid like 2,000 euros. And he's going to get a cut of every single one of those. There's, no, they're just going to have a recall, and they're going to bring you in, <laughs> and they're just going to unplug it, pull the fuse out, and send you back out on your way. What are you talking about? They don't work. Your air scarfless. That's not car. a vent. That's a that's a design feature. Yeah. It's a, it's a cubby. You can store things in it. Well, um, kudos to Mr. Ludwig. You are now a billionaire. Yeah. So good for you. <laughs> and. Ten bucks says in 1998 or whatever when he came up with this he was like this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. But <laughs> this is the whatever. this is the absolute bottom of my design career right now. I'm yeah. I'm creating a vent that goes up the back of a he just, seat. He just wanted he wanted to say that he has a patent. As many people, I myself would love to be able to say I've got a patent. And he's just like, here's a whole patent. <laughs> what do we got next, Robbie? Phrasing. <laughs> here's a whole fill with a patent. <laughs> Um, in light of Mitsubishi's fuel economy li- uh, lies, really, for like the last night, yeah, that was know, crazy. Years, long like, time since like ninety one. Yeah, forget diesel gate. Yeah, in light of that, Nissan now owns thirty four percent of Mitsubishi and is the the majority shareholder now. They- so did did you uh, did you realize that this makes them like because they also I don't know if it's a partnership or they own part of Renault as well. Yeah, it's, so it's, Re- Renault, it's Renault Nissan. Renault Nissan or Renault if you don't like the French. It's um, Renault. Renault Renault Nissan. Um so now they're like uh, the fourth biggest auto manufacturer. Is that it? I would have expected them to be higher than that, I guess. Well, Mitsubishi apparently is not very good at selling cars, so <laughs> You don't America. say. Didn't move the peg very far. What is, what do they make right now? Uh, exactly. Do they make a Lancer still? I don't know. They do make they? that little. They make, uh, they make a bunch of crossovers. They make that little iMev the thing. Myev. Sure. That looks like it was originally designed in 1999. You can buy one of those. Uh, they have that crossover SUV that Robbie probably loves. That's not true. No clue what you're talking about. Uh, it's that commercial <laughs> where they they have all those random like there's a Ninja and and a bunch of other random stuff. Oh, yeah, that is a Mitsubishi commercial, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Mitsubishi commercial. That might be why they're not selling cars. Is it a Montero? They, they sold 95,000 vehicles. I feel like the Montero's the bigger one. They only sold 95,000 vehicles? Last year. Is, is that in the U.S. or worldwide? In the, in the U.S. in 2015. I think... Is that not very many? I don't know how no, many... No, that's not... That's hardly any. Yeah. Their market in the United States is virtually nothing. Apparently, they're good at selling small cars in Japan, though. But they don't make the Evo, so I don't care. You know... 90s and probably even early 2000s Mitsubishi was incredibly interesting 
I mean, if you go over the list of things that they have made that are awesome. They're all from the 90s. You've got like the Gallant VR4. You've got the the Eclipse GSXs. Yep. Sweet. Of course. 3000 GT. 10 generations of Evo. Yeah. Because even the 10, although probably tamer than the earlier ones, and definitely not the one I would own, still a good car. Still, yeah. A good performance vehicle. Oh, yeah. The 3000 GT, which was basically like a budget supercar of its day, you know, all-wheel steering, all-wheel drive, twin-turboed V6, made 300 and some odd horsepower, I think. That sounds awesome. What, what don't you want about that? This is going to sound weird, but I like the old Montero. Yeah, the old, they made some, they they made some very cool. hardcore uh, off-road rigs. They they've, were cool. They've done very well in, like, Dakar and stuff like that. What happened to you, Mitsubishi? Why did you do what you did to yourself? I I would have no idea. It's like they tried to cash in on the crossover idea. It did very poorly. It did very poorly. Yeah. They're also kind of doing... They've got some electric car technology. Isn't apparently. there like a town where that's all they're allowed to drive? Is the MyEV? Is that true? I feel like maybe that was just a commercial. Probably. It's probably a commercial. Or Are these the same people... Stuff? That uh, made the Toyota Prius running from the police doing smoking burnouts commercials. Well, I think I what's think this, literally Mitsubishi gave like everybody in some small town somewhere a my EV and like they drive them. Did they all pile them up in the middle of the town and set them on fire? That's what I would have done with mine for sure. <laughs> Why does it look like it's <laughs> and then already I got back in my gas guzzling American V8 and did a fucking burnout in front of them? It looks like fire. it's 15 years old already. I hate that little <laughs> car. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, so Nissan bought 34% of Mitsubishi for $2.2 billion. Not a small number. And then in it response to... is modern-day business standards, though. $2.2 billion is a lot. Billion dollars. It's a lot of money it's, to it's you and thir- me. It's 34%. Like, it's not, it's not at, like the whole company. Yeah, it's not the, they didn't buy the whole thing. They just bought 34% of the shares, technically. So it makes them worth like... Seven billion dollars. Seven to eight billion. That's really not that much so by she, modern business standards. I guess that kind of shows how poorly Mitsubishi is doing. Yeah. And then in in response to that too, their president and vice president have resigned this week, and we'll be announcing that at the next shareholders meeting. Well, so, so here's the thing about that though. So if you own in Japan, if you own more than thirty three percent of a company, you have veto power over management. So I wonder if that's why they quit. Because now Nissan executives can come in and say, nope, nope, you're not doing that anymore. Stop it. Yep. Probably a good thing. That's, and that's what the yeah. article said is like they're li- literally having Nissan employees coming in to Mitsubishi now. Like yeah. They're going to be in the head- same headquarters. So is that what the plan? Are they going to make, is Mitsubishi going to go away and they're just going to make Nissans? Uh, that's or not is the way it, it still going to be a, a separate separ- company? Total separate entity, it sounds like. So we're going to get the Evo back? Ooh, you know what? That would be a good move for Nissan. They make like a mini GTR but it's the Evo. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. So you make an Evo. It's like an entry-level GTR, and then you say, yeah, I need more Need more than just the Evo. Then you go get a GTR. Uh, it's not a bad move. I don't know that that would work well in market because the Evo and the GTR are very... I mean, they're not price competitive, but once you know, you've got your two... Like, those are, those are cars that, that have always been very, like, competitive against each other. Like the R35 and the Evo, I mean, they're not the same price point or anything like that, but if you go to a drag strip, those two cars have to line up next to each other and race each other. And I'm not not sure that you can make that. 
Yeah, but that's that's aftermarket. We're talking about a forty thousand dollar car versus a hundred thousand dollar. Yeah, car. I, I understand different. that, but I'm not sure that'll work super well. But maybe I don't know. I'm no marketing guy. So I think they uh, Nissan just wants to sell a little more small cars in Japan because that's what Mitsubishi's good for, and that's about it. And they've got some electric car patents. Mm-hmm. But uh, remains to be seen if they'll make any way for intellectual property. Yeah. What else we got? Um, as if they, as if moving forward with uh, the autonomous cars and everything else, trying to take away our driving. The uh, prototype Hyperloop did its first run this week. Man, that was, it was a boring. Very test. un. Uh, Dramatic. Yeah. yeah. It, went it was zero to three hundred and a handful of feet, and then, and then it, was, it ran into a sandbank. Yeah. So it was less than a mile and. About half the speed that they predicted, to, you know, they they want it to be total. Yeah, they want to go for seven hundred miles an hour. I, I get. I guess it only went a hundred yards. Isn't it supposed to be in a in a tube? vacuum? Yes. Yeah. So this is this is the, it was not in a not vacuum. in a tube. This is the first full scale like prototype, but, but it wasn't it, even like the official it's design because it, it's not really in the vacuum tube. So you had your wind resistance, and it wasn't the pod like they designed. So all they've accomplished is making an electromagnetic train that we already had. Yes. Because I'm pretty sure we already have trains that go nearly that fast in, like, Japan. Don't they have, like, 200-mile-an-hour They have that 200-mile-an-hour train. Yeah. Or so, more than that, even. So this this they, they've invented something that already exists. I guess I didn't realize Congratulations. what happened was they SpaceX put this out there, 1,200 schools, basically their senior design class, so, like, MIT, Iowa State... Uh, Texas A&M, you know, colleges like that, had uh, their senior design team. Th- that was their project this year. So they had 1,200 schools, narrowed it down to 23, they had this competition, and that's where this stems from. So this is actually, they're taking college students' designs, then they're going to fund them, and then they're going to probably hire them all at SpaceX. It's kind of how this is going to all play out. No, so, Elon Musk is, has nothing to do with this. Yeah, I don't think SpaceX not, not, is or, Sorry, Hyper, Hyperloop Technologies. He now. gave it away. Yes. He said, yeah, here's he my said, idea. Yeah. Have fun with it, because guess what? I've come up with some flying car that's autonomous that does 12,000 miles an hour, so have fun figuring this out, because two years afterwards, bam, I'm going to take your whole market. Right. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it started at space, started as SpaceX designed, and then now Hyperloop Technologies is the one that is moving forward with it. I still love that Elon Musk owns Tesla. Yes. Which is supposed to be, you know, like EV clean vehicles and SpaceX, which takes lots and lots and lots of the world's most like explosive materials fuels yeah. and explodes them and then uses it to propel something into space. And so, like, you know, the carbon footprint thing, he's, he's, trying, he's trying to break even in the most grand of ways. Yes. And it's working. I just, I just love it. I don't like a lot of the things he does, but I kind of want to meet him. He's kind of an evil genius type. He's kind of a... He needs a mountain. That he, yeah, has a lair in for yeah, sure. Yeah, he needs a mountain lair. It needs to be hidden. And a big cat. There needs to be like a, a part of the, the rock face that retracts. And raises up. Yeah, and then he and flies a spaceship into it. has to have the it. orange glow of yeah. hot lava yeah, cause all obviously, the time. Because if you have an underground lair, if it doesn't have lava in it, you're wasting my fucking time. That's <laughs> true. It's very true. You have to be walking around. There's like lava. There's a there's a pool of lava. There's a and river like a, that a runs through. A mysteriously large number of, of nameless security force. There needs to be tanks with sharks in them, and I think they have to have lasers technically attached I think to their that's heads. A prerequisite if you're going to well, be yes. an evil genius, do you have to have sharks with lasers? Yeah, him and Christian von Koenigsegg, they both need layers. 
and, and Elon Musk's would be would be like all electric and and off the grid, and Koenigsegg's would be made of carbon fiber. <laughs> As it, as it should be. I don't think that's going to be very discreet, if I'm honest. Hey, look at just, wait a minute. Is that a carbon, that a fiber, carbon mountain? fiber mountain? <laughs> and then it just has a bunch of exhaust stat like coming out of the top. Yeah, and those are shooting flames. Oh, how do you power your carbon? E85 fiber flames. Yeah, uh, it's we have uh, uh, 12 V8 engines that make 1300 horsepower that generates the power on E85. On E85, they got a big yellow ship that brings the fuel in. Yeah, I like it. That's what he needs. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> congratulations to Hyperloop, whatever your name is, for taking an electric mo- magnetic train and running it into a sand dune at a 300 miles an hour. Yay. What's up next? Maybe maybe this is a market we could get into. We, we could start inventing things that already exist and getting a bunch of news coverage because of it. Can we get universities to do all our design work for let's, us? Let's start a car company where we build this crazy thing it has four wheels and we'll call it a car but i want universities to work on the design for free and then let us vote on who has the best design and then steal it i like where your head's at smart it's a great business strategy yeah it really is actually all right what do we got and then in re- we talked about this a few weeks ago where uh tony stewart got fined for talking shit about nascar <laughs> For <laughs> Michael's out of beer. I noticed it's a that. Problem. We need to end this show because I'm out of beer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a few weeks ago, we talked about Tony Stewart getting fined because he spoke out against NASCAR not policing the five lugs on the t- on the wheel rule. Well, NASCAR put out the rule saying that you have to have your tires or your wheels secured in a safe fashion. Which they is fined a guy, didn't they? Yeah. And now, now they're making an example out of uh, Kyle Busch's team. So last week. They they win the race and then they get a twenty thousand dollar fine, and his crew chief gets um, suspended for through May eighteen, and they miss the next race at Dover, all because his lug nuts were not completely tight. I think his crew chief directly got the fine. Yeah, which sucks even more because it doesn't come out of team money. I'm sure it does. I'm sure. Yeah, it probably does. I mean, but. that team sneezes and loses twenty thousand dollars. They don't care. But yeah, yeah so, it's. So the, uh, so the new rule is they, they inspect them before the race and then they inspect them after the race. So really, well, if you really wanted to, you could, you know, you, you do your warm ups and your qualifying and you make sure everything's tight. And then on your last tire change before the race is over, you make sure everything's tight and you're okay. But the, the, <laughs> the real bullshit about this, the reason it's so hypocritical is because they find Tony Stewart for speaking out against a safety issue. Yes. Which NASCAR, this is a safety issue that NASCAR created. And then as soon as somebody kind of walks that fine line of that safety issue, then they turn around and find them. So it's like, what? what's your motivation? I'm so confused about it's, it's really weird. the whole thing. Everything, yeah. So you don't like what we're doing? We're going to find you. Oh, you didn't follow this gray of, area rule? We're going to find you it's too. It's because of public outcry. It's... People like us who are like, what the fuck are you doing, NASCAR? Right. It's and, them being... And now they're like, shit, now we got to save face. Let's find that guy. Yeah. It's hugely Which, hypocritical. It, it makes it worse, if anything. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing to say, okay, we made a mistake. We're going to change the rule. Yes, you absolutely have to have all five lug nuts on. And then if somebody breaks that rule, absolutely you can find them. But when you've got this weird gray area... And you've kind of suggested that maybe you can drive without having all your lug nuts attached. And then somebody does it. 
how can you find him for that? Especially after one other driver said, hey, this is too gray. You need to be very clear about what this rule is, and we need to be focusing on safety. I still think they should just move to one lug nut and move on with life. Yep. Just a big center lock wheel and just be done with it. I think we would all agree to that. But there's there's something nostalgic about, because they still use a hydraulic jack and, yep. an, and an air impact, you know, yep. and... And, oh, it wasn't until like five years ago that they weren't using carburetors. Yeah, but it's there's something nostalgic, and I think they're worried about pissing off purists, quote unquote, if they did away with that stuff and moved to the more modern standard, which I find and to be just, ridiculous because they're not stock cars anymore. But like the, when they introduced the car of tomorrow, people were like, "Oh my god, I hate this! I'm never going to watch NASCAR again." Yeah, it's still the second biggest sport in the country, which, in response, now has the lowest ratings in ten in the last ten years. Yeah. So well, it's dying. Did they, okay, did they give a reason, speculation for why it has the lowest ratings in I, ten years? I couldn't find anything where they kind of pointed blame at anything. They just said that it's the lowest it's been in ten years. They're gonna come up with some stupid thing. They're gonna come up with some gimmick. You know they are. Well, it's like the truck racing. I know we beat this to death on the show, but it's that stupid truck racing thing. Oh, nobody's had a crash. We haven't had a caution in twenty minutes. Send out, send out the safety car, scrunch the pack down. Let's see if we can get somebody to run into somebody else. And, you know, hopefully. Uh, you know who else does that? Who's that? Really upset when I found this out. Stadium Super Trucks. Oh, after 20 minutes, they crunch the pack I don't know what down? the oh. time is, but they have, a, they have a mandatory caution lap in the middle. Oh, that's boring. Why do you need that? You got jumps and. Yeah, people are crashing all the time. They're rolling over each other and finishing the race anyway, and just it's out of control. Mm. That's kind of a bummer because that's but like. I think that's kind of part of the race that's a little bit different it is a little bit different it's still kind of a bummer though you think there'd be yeah. enough action in that race maybe there's not enough cars or trucks on stadium super trucks well and and this goes back to that you can't see them the whole time thing yeah that we talked about with the formula one qualifying change yeah that's probably true so uh what do you got for events Adam? that's what i was about to pull up See what we got for events. The twenty eighth. Oh, uh, that is SCCA Spring Solo Nationals weekend in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln. Yes, and on Saturday there is uh, ooh a cars and coffee. I just got the invite for that today. That's the Merle Hay one. That's the Merle Hay one. That is the group, not the page. We have not been to that one. No, nope. we have not. That and that is the same day as the Corvette Club of Iowa race at Marshalltown, which is open invite. Like you open don't invite. have to have a Corvette. But I don't think I'm going to go beat up on Corvettes there this year. No, I am taking Memorial Day off. Yeah, I think Michael and I will go check out the other cars and coffee. We'll go to the cars and coffee, and then I have to do moving things. Yeah, which I don't probably. Do. I'm on, I'm on call that weekend too. That's a bum deal. So we, if you want to meet us somewhere. Uh, we will oh. be at that Cars and Coffee. Fun fact, that Corvette Club race is all three days. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. It's a lot of racing. So maybe maybe we will go. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Keep an eye on the Facebook page, and if we go, we'll share the event. Is there anything we wanted to give a heads up to the following? There's really nothing going on that weekend of the 3rd and the 4th, or 4th and 5th. Uh, the testing tune is the fourth, the local DMVR testing tune. That's about it. Yeah. If you want to do that, you should go to that. And I don't think any of us will be going to that either. I'll be there. I You'll need some testing tune times. Okay. I will not be there because I will actually be full-blown moving then. So Unless you tell me I have to help you move, then I'll do that. Uh, I'm hoping that that's not the case. I'm hoping it's mainly done on Friday, but we shall see. Okay. What else you got, Robbie? 
that's all I got. Um, updates on my car? There are none. It's still not done. I have all my suspension parts. My top hats and stuff came in today. My goal, by the time you hear this, the car will have raced. You're going to knock it out tomorrow? which is Or wait. Yeah, tomorrow. Well, which is the I've 19th. decided that I'm gonna I'm gonna take your approach to to alignment, which is max the camber, max the caster, move on with life. Hopefully, it goes in a straight line because mine didn't when I tried that. <laughs> and, that was uh, my problem. <laughs> and I'll get it aligned later because I just don't physically have the time to get the car back on the ground tomorrow, so I can have it at an alignment rack on Friday, so I can race it on Saturday. It's just not going to happen, and uh, there's some rear end changes that I want to make, and then it will have to be realigned at that point anyway, so I'm not going to pay to do it twice in in the matter of weeks. So, Yep. Just going to wait till that happens. Hopefully, you can get it uh, drivable so you can come to Marshalltown. If not, I'll co-drive the Fiat. Drive the Fiat. Robbie can't be bothered to race, so he's not going to be there. I'll be there. I just won't be racing. He's going to be there a little late. I'm, I don't get comfortable driving other people's cars. I don't know. It's the thing. I'm always worried about crashing it. It's just I get really weird about driving other people's cars. Someone's got to crash it. Michael hasn't crashed I know. it yet. So. I know, but. I've wrecked every other car I've driven, so now I'm moving on to other people's cars. <laughs> you haven't wrecked them. There's, a reason, you don't, there's them. a reason I've never let you drive my car. <laughs> You've just broken them. You've never wrecked the Fiat. Yeah. You've just broken Last year, I went on the tear of breaking the Fiat, the 68 Camaro, the 79 Camaro. Uh, I think I broke something else, too. I can't remember. That was all Motorcycle, in one. Motorcycle, maybe? Yeah. That was all in one summer. Just, just breaking shit. Straight break. Now it's my turn, apparently, because my truck's on the Fritz. My Omni doesn't start right now. I don't know why it won't start. Oh, nice. It just decided it doesn't want to start Because we anymore. took the carburetor off. No, I drove on. it around for a little while. Uh, it ran great, and then one day it decided it doesn't want to start, and I haven't figured out why because I haven't had time to mess with it. Old car things. Just realize that. I might not have a car that runs. It might not matter. Okay, <laughs> you might be running the Fiat. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, we will catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, guys. Yes, yeah, those are the sure. same thing. No, Mutual, those are mutually exclusive. Happy so, and not mad are the same thing. <coughs> Coming from a, a basically married man. Yeah. Happy wife, happy life. You can be right, or you can be happy. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be so many sound bites in this one. I know, I've already, oh yeah. <laughs>